Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody who's joining us online this morning? We love you, we appreciate you, and we believe that God is going to do something significant in your life today, and I believe that is true for every single person that is in this place. I feel the presence of God, and when the presence of God comes into a place, anything can happen. Hear what I'm saying? When the presence of the living God shows up, anything can happen. And today, our topic within this series is going to be uh, living in victory. Turn to the person next to you and say, living in victory. I want you to understand if you are in Christ Jesus, you have already won. You've already got the victory. What we have to do is we have to learn how to walk in that victory. The beginning of this year, we started with a series called Rivers and Words. And I really felt led by the Spirit of God to go into that series. And the big idea of the series was this will be a year that we have to be filled with his spirit and his word will have to be in our mouth. And I believe that has proven true over the course of 2020. This has not been a year that you can walk by what you see in the natural. If you have made it this far, you have had to walk by faith. The Bible teaches we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith because how many of you know Just because it looks a certain way does not mean that's how it is. When I was praying this week, what really dropped in my spirit was things are not always as they seem to be. Can I say that again? Things are not always as they seem to be. My grandfather loved apple pie. And he was talking about apple pie at his church one day. And this lady in the church decided, you know what? I'm going to make Bishop some apple pie. And so she made him this apple pie. She had him over to her house. She presented him with this apple pie and you could see the delight on his face. And so he sat there and my grandfather, he was the type person, if he was at a table, whatever he ate, he made look delicious because he ate with so much delight and he had these big hands and he would sit there and he would would break it. And if it was good, he'd go, yeah. And you knew it was good. And I wanted to eat like my grandfather. And there's certain things he would tell me to eat. He'd say, he said, son, if you eat this, it'll put hair on your chest. <laughs> and so he had me eating sardines and mustard because I was going to hair on my chest. And now I can't reverse it. <laughs> I can't reverse the hair growth. <laughs> he didn't tell me what puts hair on my head. But anyway, she put this apple pie. <laughs> she, <laughs> she put this apple pie in front of him. And as he goes to take a bite, you see his face go from delight to disgust. Because what had happened was, what had happened was, (laughs) instead of using sugar, she accidentally used salt. So here's here's what I want you to see. The pie looked right, the pie smelled right, but it wasn't what it seemed to be. And that's good news because if you are a child of God, we don't live by what we see. We don't live by the way things seem to be. We operate in this faith of a God that can step in and move mountains. I was thinking about Elisha, the story in 2 Kings, where he and his servant are surrounded by the Syrian army. And they're coming to take him, 
They're coming to arrest him. They're probably going to kill him. And Elisha's servant is freaking out. Hey, Elisha, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, hey, it's, it's all good. There's more for us than those that are against us. Imagine that. The servant's going, there's just two of us, and we're surrounded. And Elisha goes, oh, God, open his eyes. And at that moment, God allowed Elisha's servant to see what was always there, which was an army of angels surrounding the army of the enemy. Hear this. They were always there. The servant just couldn't see it. Things are not always the way they seem to be. In the natural, things may seem to be crumbling down in the natural, wicked people may seem to be having their way, but I want you to know that God is still in control, and if you are his child, you can and will live in victory because greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. I want to say that again. Greater is he that lives in me than he that is within the world. The Bible says no weapon formed against me will prosper. Think about that. No weapon formed against you, meaning the enemy has absolutely formed some enemies designed specifically for you. They're meant to take you out. They're meant to take out your family. They're meant to take out your business. They're meant to take away your joy. They're meant to take away your peace. But no weapon that has been formed against you has the ability to prosper. And as a matter of fact, those weapons that are formed against you will be the weapons that will be turned on the enemy. And the same thing he meant to destroy you will be the thing that destroys him. Then it goes on to say, you shall condemn any tongue that rises up against you. Any, any tongue of deceit, any tongue of falsehood, we have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ to say, that shall not be so. That shall not be so in my life. It is time for us to stop allowing everything that we see and hear to back us down into a corner and make us feel defeated. It's time for us to stop eating every apple pie that is set in front of us. And it is time for us to start moving and living and operating in faith because greater is he that lives inside of me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Those are more than just words. That is a lifestyle and that is a truth and you must know it. Tell the person next to you, you must know it. See, the, the, the two biggest attacks of the enemy, if you go through scripture, the two main attacks and basically almost everything stems from these two things. The two biggest attacks of the enemy are this, deception and distraction. Deception and distraction. He'll always be trying to put something in your way that will either deceive you or distract you. Or he will distract you so that he can deceive you. Because all he has to do to shift your life is to shift your attention and your life will go in the direction of your greatest focus. That's a really powerful point there. Your life will go 
in the direction of your greatest focus. What are you looking at? Whatever you focus on is what you will give power to. My dad always used to say, where the focus goes, the power flows. Meaning, whatever you're looking at, whatever you're focusing on, whatever you're magnifying, you are giving power to. And so whenever you receive a lie and you focus on that lie, you give power and authority for that lie or that deception to operate in your life. Doesn't mean it's real, but it is real to you. I've, I've used this story multiple times at this church, but we have so many new people here. I've told you about the monkey and the orange. You know, the, they used to trap monkeys by taking a coconut. They would hollow it out and they would cut it in half. Then they would put an orange in it, seal it up, and put a hole on one side of the coconut and chain or tie the other end of the coconut to a tree. When the monkey would run up to that coconut, he would stick his hand in, and once his hand reached around the orange, it was too big to remove his hand, and he was trapped. Now, the truth is, all he had to do was let go. But he was deceived. He becomes a prisoner trapped by deception. And that's what the enemy does so many times to us as he traps us by his deception or he traps us by distraction. If you think about the story of Samson in the scriptures, Samson's a mighty, powerful man. I mean, he does amazing things. And no one has any ability to stop Samson. If an army comes his way, he will destroy them. He doesn't need a bunch of weapons. I mean, he grabs the, the jawbone of a donkey and whips a whole slew of enemy forces. He, Samson was a bad dude. But see, the enemy distracted him. And he got into this relationship with Delilah. And his distraction became his devastation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And as soon as he laid his head into her lap and he became deceived by her, then the enemy had the ability to come in and destroy his life. My question is, whose lap are you laying your head in today? Who are you allowing to distract you or to deceive you? Think about that. The enemy had no power over Samson. But as soon as he was distracted... As soon as he was deceived, he gave up his strength. Here's the problem. You have so much power inside of you because of the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you that most people don't even realize the potential that's inside of them, but we give our power and our strength away because of our deceptions and because of our distractions. We see things in the natural it freaks us out, and we begin to talk the wrong way, and we give away our power. We begin to believe the wrong way, and we give away our power. We begin to, instead of operating in faith, we start moving in fear, and we give away our peace. See, the enemy has no power. Hear what I'm saying? The enemy has zero power to come and take anything from you. As a child of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, the enemy has zero power to come and take anything away from you. He can only take what you release. And it happens through our deception, and it happens through our distractions, and we all have them. Hello? We all have things that distract us, especially in the time that we are living in. It's like distraction, 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 distraction. Turn on the news, distraction. Turn on social media, distraction. You go sit down and have coffee with a friend or a relative, 
Distraction. There's no talking of faith. There's no talking of the good things of God. It's just giving our strength over to the distractions day in and day out. And that's why we are living in a realm where we don't have any peace. That's why we are living in a realm to where we don't really have any joy. That's why we are living in a realm where we don't have any strength. Because the victory that has been ours has been given to us through Jesus Christ. We've not fully surrendered to it and taken it and walked in it. But today I want to give you four things that are going to help us live in the victory that we already have. Tell the person next to you and say, you look victorious today. You look really good. The first thing is this. If you're going to have victory in your life, this is important. You've got to be so full of truth that there is no room for deception. You've got to be so full of the truth that there is zero room for deception. Here's another thing I've done a lot of times in this church, but again, we have so many more new people here that I'll do this. Yesterday, we went camping, and uh, we had a really good time. But for lunch, we made sub sandwiches. And so when it came time for me to make my sub sandwich, you know, I did the lettuce, I did the tomato, I did the onion, I did some bell pepper, I did some salt, some vinegar, the oil. I like extra oil. I like extra vinegar on my sub. But then the only way to make the sandwich complete is you have to slather it in mayonnaise. Can I get an amen? And it was so good. How many of you in here, by a show of hands, believe that story to be true? Two of you. That shows you that y'all are probably two of the newest, newer people to the church. How many of you don't believe that story? Gavin, why don't you believe that story? I don't like mayonnaise. Now you know. So, Sean, Kelly, next time I use that story in about six months, you'll be like, no, I'm not. I'll send that mayonnaise right back to the devil's lair. <laughs> the truth is I hate mayonnaise. But if you did not know that, you were open to the deception because it's a really believable story. And that's the thing about the enemy. He doesn't come all the time with all these outlandish lies into your life. He brings things that could be true if you didn't know the truth. And so the only thing I can do to combat his lies and his deception is to be so full of truth that there is no room for deception. The Bible says in Hosea, the fourth chapter, verse six, says, my people, now get this, this is the children of God, not the world, not sinners, my people are destroyed, why? For their lack of knowledge. What they don't know becomes a weapon against them. Even worse, what you do know but you do not apply also becomes a weapon against you. So it's not enough to just know the truth. I've got to apply that truth to my life. I've got to cover myself in that truth. I've got to repeat that truth. I've got to meditate on that truth. Hello, Joshua, the first chapter, what does he say? He talks about meditating on the word of God. He talks about speaking about the word of God. Why? Because it becomes a constant reminder to myself. I am continually reminding myself of who God is, what he has done, and what he has said, so that when the enemy comes in, and he will come in, I can go, nope, that's a lie. This guy doesn't like mayonnaise. Are you hearing me? The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, 
says, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Truth is found in the word of God. If you're going to live in victory, this is important. If you're going to live a life of victory, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to apply the word of God and you've got to be obedient to the word of God because that's what positions you to live in that prosperous life that God has called you to. Go back to Joshua. If you'll meditate on it, if you'll keep it, not allow it to depart from your lips, you'll be careful to do everything that's written in it. What's that? Obedience. He says, then, God says, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. He puts the ball in our court. He's saying, you want to prosper? You want to succeed in life? You want to have victory in life? Here's what you got to do. You've got to know the word. You've got to declare the word. You've got to be obedient to the word. There are a lot of people that I know that know the word. They declare the word, but they're not obedient to the principles found in the word. And so they have no hold on the promise. That's really, really important. If God says, if you do this, I in return will do this. You can't claim that God's going to do this unless you've first done what? What he's asked you to do. So your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His word reveals truth. And we have to discipline ourselves, myself included. We have to discipline ourselves to get into the word of God, to know the word of God. And when you get into the word, ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation of what he's doing and what he's saying into your life. Always start with a prayer. Father, today I ask that your Holy Spirit would show me through your word what it is that I need to know. And you'll see things will start to jump out at you. Or even better, there will be moments in your life to where you're going through something and a scripture that you've read that's been deposited in your heart, the Spirit of God will bring it to your remembrance. That truth that you need for the moment will come to you when you need it. You can start to operate in it. His word leads me, guides me, and shapes my world view. The second thing that's important for a life of victory is you've got to be filled by the Spirit. You've got to be filled by the Spirit. The Bible says in Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, it says you will, this is Jesus speaking, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It is the Holy Spirit that comes upon us and empowers us to live the life that Jesus Christ has called us to live so that we can be a witness to our world and so that we can live in victory. No spirit, no power. Now here's the thing that I believe through my study of scripture. I believe the moment that you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home inside of you. But you also have to yield yourself to the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit through developing communication with him. And that's when you start operating in the power that's been deposited inside of you. Does that make sense? So you'll hear people talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some people think, well, that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that's when you receive the Holy Spirit. I believe a lot of times that's when you have yielded yourself for the Holy Spirit to come and start operating at a full in a full way in your life. And I believe, and I can prove it through scripture, that we should be filled with the Spirit daily. It's not just a one and done. When you read Acts the second chapter, the Holy Spirit comes, he lands on the, the, the church there meeting in the upper room. That's not the only time that they were filled with the Spirit. 
keep on reading through Scripture and say, and they did this, and they were filled with the Spirit, and then they did this, and they were filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we have to be continually filled so that we can have the power of the Spirit operating in our life. Several years ago, I was in a band, and I was standing behind the curtain, and we're about to come out, we're about to play, and I've got all this energy and excitement, and I used to get butterflies right before we played, and I knew I needed to stop playing when I stopped getting the butterflies, but this time we were, we were backstage, and we're, I mean, we are about to start, and I go to check my sound, and there's nothing, and so I start freaking out, I start panicking, what's going on? So I go over to my friend Andrew who played guitar and Andrew's like was just a techie. I mean, he could build anything, wire anything. And so I knew Andrew would have the solution. Like I knew that he could probably take apart the amp and put it back together because obviously something's really bad. He walks over, he looks around and he goes, I found the problem. I said, what is it? He said, it's not plugged in. <laughs> I had all that power, just wasn't plugged in. So here's the deal. We've got to be plugged into the spirit, but we've got to remain plugged in. Somebody say remain, be remain, stay plugged in. That's an easier way to say it. Let's put that in the notes. Keep it simple, stupid. Stay plugged in. Get plugged in and stay plugged in. The Bible says in John, the 15th chapter, Jesus speaking, verse four, he says, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine. Now he's gonna lay it out. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever's plugged into me, whoever remains in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What's Jesus saying? You wanna be fruitful? You wanna have victory? You've got to stay connected. Your ability to produce is determined by who you are connected to. And this has to be a daily thing when we wake up in the morning, making sure that we are connected to the vine. It'll make all the difference for your day. Did you know that? You know, you, unless you've been hiding in a cave lately, you know like the world's kind of in chaos and people are panicking and, and that really does have the ability to take the grip on your heart and your mind and your peace and your joy and, and all this stuff, but I decided instead of being a part of that mechanism, I'm gonna start taking time to fill myself with the word and spend time in his presence and it makes all the difference if you're gonna live in victory because things are not always as they seem to be. Do you hear what I'm saying? And things can look really bad around you and things can be really bad around you, but you can still have victory. Your joy doesn't have to leave. Your peace doesn't have to leave. Your strength does not have to leave as long as you are positioning yourself properly. So first thing, you gotta have the word. Second thing, we have to be plugged into the spirit and we have to remain plugged into the spirit. The third thing is this. Worship, praise, and prayer must be a lifestyle. Worship, praise, and prayer must be a lifestyle. When I woke up this morning, I love today, by the way. Can I just say that? Like you guys, uh, it just feels awesome in here. But worship, praise, prayer must be a lifestyle. When I woke up this morning very early, the first thing I heard was this song that we used to sing in church years ago that said, I will dance, I will dance. 
I will dance like David danced. Anybody remember that song? I will dance. I'll, I'll have Sean do an interpretive uh, dance for us while I sing it. I will dance. That's my, my banner flag. But, <laughs> but that song came to me. And I thought about David dancing before the Lord in Scripture as they usher in the Ark of the Covenant into the city, David is rejoicing and David is dancing in such a way that his wife is like, you've got to stop this. You're, you're a disgrace. And David said, I'm not going to stop. I don't care about my dignity. I care about the presence of God. I care about rejoicing before my God. And here's what you've got to know today because some of you, you know, you're like, well, I just want to be dignified. I want to be reserved. Well, you can keep your dignity. Give me the presence of God. And we've got to be willing to look a little foolish sometimes to get some victory. Sometimes there's a dance that we got to dance. Sometimes there's a song that we got to sing. Sometimes there's a laugh that we've got to laugh. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can't get so like prim and proper that, well, pastor, you do things your way and I'll do things my way. How about where the Bible says, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph? Huh? How about where it talks about lifting up holy hands? How about where it talks about dancing before the Lord? Well, pastor, you do it. Your, okay, well, I'll do it the Bible way. And I'll continue living in victory. And you can come in and look all cute at church and live in hell. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm talking about the hell that some of y'all live in. Monday through Saturday, and you want to look cute, you want to look dignified. I don't care about, Gavin, I don't care about my dignity. I care about having the presence of God. I care about knowing that when I step out of my house, the favor of the Lord is on me, and that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Why? Because I've positioned myself in a place of praise and worship and prayer and honor, and I'm filled with his word, and I carry his strength, and I carry his power out into my world. God. That's what I want. I cannot wait till our church is so filled with people who are so excited about Jesus that we can't contain it. We don't have to try to amp you up. We don't have to try to, you know, you know, do like a pep rally at church to get you to raise your hands and worship. You're just so filled with God and so in love with his presence. And you know what his presence can do for you because it changes everything. It changes everything. His praise changes everything. My, my brother's been posting on Facebook a lot lately, my older brother, and he's been saying things that, that I was like, man, that's exactly what I've been thinking, exactly what I've been hearing. So I posted on there, I said, you must be talking to the same person I've been talking to. And so I called him this week and I was sharing with him like some of the things that, that's been going on and God's been sharing with me and they were like right lined up. And he said to me, he said, he said when I was praying, he said, God spoke to me and said, it's time for my David to dance. It's time for my David to dance. What's the David? The David is the church. It is time for the church to begin to dance and praise God. And just as King David ushered the presence of God into the city, we will usher the presence of God into our city because we are a people of praise, we are a people of worship, and we are a people of prayer, and we are a people filled with his word and filled with his Holy Spirit. It's time for us to lose our dignity Hello? 
and start praising God for who he is, for what he's done, for what he's accomplished. He is such an amazing God. And I promise you, when you stand in front of him in heaven, your dignity will be Because as soon as you see him, you're going to fall to your face and start screaming and crying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord our God Almighty because he is so holy and he is so wonderful that it'll be just, it'll just be completely, oh, overwhelmed. Think about in scripture when they anoint, they anoint the temple. They build, the, they build the, the temple and they anoint it and the priests are there to do their duties and the spirit of God falls in that place and everybody is so overwhelmed by the presence of God the Bible says they can't even do their duties. They can't even work. Think about in Acts, the second chapter, when the Spirit of God falls in that upper room, they start getting so overwhelmed with the Spirit of God that everybody in the streets thinks they're drunk. You know why? Because it sounded like a party, sounded like a commotion's going on. The, the, the people of God, the children of God, you and me, need to sound like something's going on. We need to sound like we've got some joy. We need to sound like we've got some victory. Amen? So we've got to get the spirit. Worship, praise, prayer must be a lifestyle. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, really? Should we? Yes. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice. As Christians, our joy is not determined by what is happening to us or around us, but by what God is doing in us and through us. And because of that, we can have joy at all times, no matter what we're going through. If you look at Paul and Silas, and this is a powerful principle for some of y'all to take hold of. Paul and Silas, they're in prison. Dark, probably cold, damp. I mean, it's not like prisons today. They didn't have HBO. They didn't have ping pong. Paul wasn't running a prison gang. You know, this was this was a terrible situation. Paul and, and Silas, and it's dark, it's midnight, the Bible says. And they begin to sing praises and worships and hymns. And you know what happens? The presence of God shows up. And their chains fall off. And revival breaks out right there in the prison cell. And people start getting saved. See, you can be dignified all you want, but I want some chains to break. You know what I'm saying? I want some chains to break in my life. And I'm not going to let my dignity keep me bound. I'm serious. At some point in time, we've got to get to a place where we don't care about who's sitting next to us or what they're going to think about us. And we've got to worship always, rejoice always. In all circumstances, give thanks in every circumstance. I remember when I worked at my dad's church. Money got a little bit tight, and so he came to the staff and he said, we're, we're getting rid of the cleaning crew, because, I mean, that's a pretty big cost when you've got, he has, I don't know, 17,000 square foot, 20,000 square foot, something like that under roof. I mean, it's a big facility. So he decided we're going to cut back. He said, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to clean the church. And what I love about my dad is he's the, the senior leader of that church, and he could have said, all right, boys, go get it done. But he, he, he vacuumed too, which taught me something about servant leadership. But I remember I had a certain section of the church that was my responsibility to clean. And I didn't really, like, in my flesh, I didn't really want to be doing it. 
Because there's other stuff that I needed to be do, to do. I mean, there was times I was preaching for him on Sunday and vacuuming, you know, throughout the week. And I'm thinking, like, it'd be great for me to be able to prepare a sermon, but here we go. <laughs> you know? But what I decided was I'd put my iPod in at the time, the shuffle. You know? I put my iPod in, I started listening to praise and worship, and I started thanking God. God, I am so grateful that I have a church to be able to clean. God, I thank you for this building. I thank you for this property. I thank you for the people who are going to come and give their life to you. I thank you, Lord, because this facility is clean, that somebody's going to come in and feel comfortable and walk. And I started doing that, and it totally shifted everything. And what I've learned in life is if you'll be thankful for what you have, then you open yourself up to make more room for more. You hear what I'm saying? Such a powerful thing, being thankful in every circumstance. Take that circumstance that looks bad, the things that look like you don't want to do, and start putting some thanks in them. Start injecting it with some thanks, some praise, some worship, and watch it turn around. Prayer is not optional. No prayer, no power. Jesus modeled this for us. When he did ministry, he would oftentimes withdraw to get along with the Father. You know what he's doing? He's communicating with his Father and he's replenishing his, his strength to go and do more ministry. He goes down one time from the mountain. He's on the mountain. Peter, James, and John are there with him. He's on the Mount Transfiguration. He's talking to God. I mean, Elijah, Moses, and God are all there having a talk. Jesus is there. He comes down from the mountain, and there's this boy who's possessed with an evil spirit. And no one can do anything about it. And so Jesus comes down from that place of prayer, and he says... Bring the boy to me. Jesus cast out the evil spirit. And later his disciples said, hey, how come we couldn't do that? I mean, we're binding, we're loosening, we're yelling, we're screaming. How come the spirit didn't come out? Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer. Some translations say prayer and fasting. What's he trying to get at? The things that you cultivate in private are the things that God can display in public. Everybody wants to have this great public power and this great show of God in public, but that kind of thing is developed in your private time. The reason that Daniel was able to see the mouth of the lion shut when he was thrown into the den is because he took time to get along with God. He knew his God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we read these stories and we want these kind of results, but are we willing to do what they did to get what they had? Are we willing to sacrifice our time and our desires and our wants to get in the presence of God? And I'm not talking about just having a cute little prayer time. I'm talking about going after God, going after his word, spending time in quality prayer. And some of you in here, you know, you've received the spirit of God. You need to allow him to give you that gift, that prayer language to where you can actually start praying in a way that, that goes beyond your natural mind and starts hitting the target. You know, I say it like this, a lot of times our prayer is like a shotgun blast, but when you pray in the Spirit, it's like a rifle sighted in exactly the will of God, because the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is interceding through you, going beyond your natural mind. It's such a powerful thing. Well, I don't want that in the church. Well, then you don't want to be a Bible-based church. I've tried to take time over the past several years to teach you all this stuff from Scripture. It's time for us to get filled with the Spirit and start operating in the gifts that the Spirit has deposited inside of us. Amen? So no prayer, no power. The final thing is this. Where do you place your trust? 
Everybody trusts in something. Where do you place your trust? Because if you put your trust in the arm of flesh, you will always be let down. If you put your trust in the arm of flesh, you will always be let down. If you put your trust in a politician, you'll be let down. If you put your trust in money, eventually you'll be let down. Anything that you put your trust in other than Jesus will let you down. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, says the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the entire earth, looking for someone whose heart is pure or blameless towards him so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. Okay? That's the part that we all know. The second part of verse 9, God says this. He says, you have done foolishly in this for from now on you will have wars. What was it that they did foolishly? If you go back and read the previous verses, God shows them where they messed up. He says, the army came against you and you ran and tried to get all these other armies to help you out because you thought you needed their chariots, you thought you needed their army, you thought you needed their weapons, and that's where you messed up. Because if you would have just trusted me, I would have taken care of it. And then he reminds them of every time that he's delivered them before in, in worse circumstances where he delivered them. He said, but now you've messed up. But you want to know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for people whose heart is blameless. I'm, I'm looking for people. That, that doesn't mean perfect. It says blameless. But your heart's in the right place. Your trust is in God. Your hope is in God. You know that he is the only one that can help you. And when your trust is there, God says, that's a person that I can move and show myself strong on their behalf. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. What? Acknowledge him. What does that mean? Acknowledge him for who he is. You are a protector. You are a provider. You are all in all. You are a healer. You are my strength. You are my joy. You are my ever-present help in time of need. And God, I'm in need right now. David said, my eyes look to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You begin to acknowledge him and he says, I'll step in. I'll direct your paths. I'll make it straight. Here's what you got to know. You can walk in victory. You can live in victory. But there's some things that you're going to have to do and surrender and submit yourself to in order to see it. God is bigger than what things seem to be. Hear what I'm saying. God is bigger than things seem to be. And nothing that's happened in this year or any year prior has taken God by surprise. He is not freaking out in heaven, running around going, well, what happened? This, isn't, this wasn't in the playbook. Jesus, I didn't have this in the playbook. Jesus isn't like, God, we need to get some Prozac or something to calm ourselves down. We need to get the Holy Spirit together, the whole Trinity. We just need to get together, do some Prozac, pop some Xanax, wake up in 2021 and hope things are better. Because that's how some of us are. Just can't, can't wait for 2020 to be over, 2021 to get, like there's a magic button that's going to be flipped. It's like, oh, everything just, like, hey, 2020 never happened. God's not freaking out because he knows exactly what's going on and he is working everything within his will. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, that's why you're not God. There's a lot of things that I would do differently than God. 
but I would have messed up a whole bunch of stuff. I saw that Facebook post recently. Somebody posted where it said, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't have sent Joseph to prison. Have you seen that one? But then the people of Israel would have been destroyed. If I was God, I wouldn't have done this. If I was God, I wouldn't have hung my son on the cross. Think about that. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. God knows what he's doing. He's really good at his job. And he's been doing it for a really long time. So no matter what things may seem to look like, God knows what he's doing and there will be victory. And you can take part in that victory if you will just have faith and trust, be filled with his word, be filled with the spirit, be led by his spirit, and let him lead you and guide you. And everything gonna be all right. It's gonna be iry. I wanna pray for everybody who's watching online. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. And I want you to know that you can have victory. But you're gonna to have to yield yourself to the Spirit of God. You're gonna to have to yield yourself to His ways. It can no longer be the way I want it, the way I wanna do it. It's gotta be God. I absolutely am fully convinced and I trust you. And the beautiful thing about that is when you come into that communication with Him and you begin to pray and you begin to seek Him, He'll begin to give you words and He'll begin to deposit things in your heart that will comfort you through every season. Everything's gonna be okay. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching or listening. And I ask that you would move in their life. I ask that you would touch them. God, I'm asking that you would begin to shift us and change us and mold us and make us into your image. Father, please fill us once again with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let your gifts be operating in our life and in our church and in our homes. Father, let your word lead us and guide us into all truth and let that truth set us free from every lie and every deception of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen.